0: So we try really hard to not give scripts. We'll give talking points, and we'll also give a huge brief on what the brand is, dive in deep into who they want to be, what they're trying to put out into the world, and we'll give the UDC creators full reign to just create.
1: With this new shift, TikTok saw that there's an opportunity for creators to have a monetary value on TikTok, which is leading them into ad creation and ad content.
2: You could be an influencer and know how to create content that gets people to view and follow and engage and enjoy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually going to convert into something.
3: On this episode, you're going to be listening to content and creative creation strategies for Q4. It was an expert panel in our recently concluded Commerce Excel conference. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned.
4: Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation transformation in the last decade.
3: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the 2x e commerce podcast. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is a podcast where we talk about e commerce growth, 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 growth. Now, in this episode, you're going to um, listen, or you're about to listen to it. It's uh, an expert panel, as I recently concluded the Commerce Excel conference. Um, it was predominantly focused on on content creatives so it was like your content and creatives creation strategy for quarter four it was hosted by matt c minnow who is the founder of Ampt, um and he just he had an, a star-studded um, expert panel he had savannah sanchez founder of social savannah william harris founder of um ellum which is one of the fastest growing um, performance marketing agencies in the United States. Jordan Erickson, founder of um, MSCHVS Media. And um, Sa- Sarah Levenga, who's a creative strategist um, for HD Performance Creative Strategy. Stars.ed, um lots of value um lots of value. What can I say? Um, this one's for you people looking for strategies around TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, all of that performance marketing juice. We know creatives play a significant role in influencing, you know, people's decision as to whether to patronize a brand. Um, and so these guys are absolutely killed it. I shall leave you to enjoy this episode and catch you tomorrow. Cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get going faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Nunn, and Choppies build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit Clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Thank you for joining us
5: on the second annual Commerce Excel Conference, the most highly awaited well, this is the most highly awaited panel of that conference for sure. But this is the most highly awaited direct to consumer event of the year. It's an absolute pleasure to have you around. I'm going to give you a brief intro and then we're going to kick right into it. My name is Trevor Krotz. I'm the president of Buddy Brands, Compel Commerce and ScanShop 3D. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. I want to shout out to our partners, our Platinum partners, Rich Panel and Octillion Capital Partners. Um, now, whether you're new to Black Friday or you're looking for some new strategies to help navigate uh, these uncertain waters in Q4, We've got the best-in-class social advertising experts here for you guys today, and they are spectacular. Um, they don't need any introduction, but we're going to do some introductions anyway. Um, real quick, want to give a shout-out not only to Rich Panel, but also uh, Partner Hero, Customer Labs, Simrush, VideoWise, and Vera. We really do appreciate your support of this conference. Please ask any questions in the lower right-hand corner if you have anything that you'd like to ask this amazing panel. Don't be shy. I can promise you if you don't ask questions, they won't get answered. And if you want to get some access to some amazing people, your time is right now. So grab a pen and pencil. We're going to get started. Do ads work on Gen Z? Do they work on Gen Alpha the same way? What does a content creator pro's process look like? We're going to get into all of these types of questions and more as our expert panel answers all of them for you. Um, we're going to go with their 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 go to ad creative strategies. They're going to help you win in Q four and. Uh, Let's just get it started. This session is going to be moderated by none other than Matt Simono, founder of AMP. And he's uh, expect many great insights, and we would love to get started. Thank you guys for being so patient. I'm going to hand it over to my friend, Matt. Matt, take it away.
6: Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, we've got an amazing panel. Thanks for hanging out and waiting for us. We've got this going now. So let's get right into it. Uh, for those of you that are here, we want you to walk away from this with some actionable insights, just some good ideas you can take home and go crush it. So, uh, I also want you to understand who is on the call. So, uh, what we're going to do, just a really brief and extremely brief because we're a bit behind schedule, but I want for all the panelists to kind of hear. We've all heard the how I built this podcast or things like that. I want everyone to know how'd you end up on this expert panel? You do have some rock stars on here, but I want them to know a little bit of your story and how you got here. So maybe William, do you mind just kicking us off real quick? Sure,
2: yeah. Uh, started off actually in the SaaS space, uh, took a VC-backed company when I worked from, uh, uh, grew him 270% first year that he jumped on board. Um, and just started writing about it on uh, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, places like that, about some of the tactics, things we're doing. And it turned into a, uh, well, hey, can you help me grow my business? Ned never worked at an agency, um, but uh, found, yeah, I like helping people. Um, it, fast forward that to a bunch of clients later. Uh, we've helped 13 clients get acquired, the largest sold for $800 million, um, And we just kind of found a knack in uh, being able to understand kind of the psychology behind how different creative comes to play, what works, what doesn't work and be able to use, uh, let's say, the data that we've put in the Power BI to really understand what's making a big difference there.
6: Awesome. Thank you, William. Savannah, do you mind just going next?
7: Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Savannah Sanchez, founder of The Social Savannah. I work some of the biggest e-commerce brands on their paid social creatives like Fabletics, Dr. Squash, um, Blendjet, Sugar Bear Hair, just to name a few. I started out as a media buyer and quickly realized that all I kept telling my clients was we need better creatives. So decided to finally do something about that a few years ago, and really leaned into um, making really great creatives for e-commerce brands to help with their page social campaigns.
1: Jordan, I'm Jordan. Started off um, understanding like content back when I was in high school in 2016 with Instagram. Led that into figuring out how to create my own social media in 2019 and. Started posting on TikTok, I you know, got a little bit lucky and, and started and, and just kept going with it. After a year, I hit uh, my first 500,000 with a few hundred million views and then led that into exclusive partnerships with TikTok and launching some new features on live and some of the new features that you'll see in the next year upcoming with uh, brands being to be able to partner directly with TikTok to get really, really neat creative. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, um, hi everybody, I'm Sarah. Uh, I'm the founder of HD Performance Creative. We are a creative strategy agency. Um, I'm consumer behavior analyst, so we come at it from the psychology-based side. I have a similar background to Savannah where I started in media buying and quickly noticed that like the creative was where the bulk of our energy needed to go. So now we work with a whole bunch of clients. We also work with Fabletics. Um we also work with Slummerkin, some of the other like smaller, I would say, brands um, in e-commerce specifically. So we're kind of just helping everybody scale their creative and actually drop acquisition costs using psychology.
6: And as Trevor said on the way in, I'm Matt Simino, founder of AMPT. I've had a few different software companies in the past, but most excited about Amped. Before that, I was in this e-commerce space for about eight years with Edge Intel, working with a couple hundred e-commerce brands, helping them with customer acquisition. So heavy on the creative side, but all about email and SMS capture. And that's why we created AMPT, which is a fully self-service version of that. And hopefully we can help a few thousand e-commerce companies with our new product, just lever- leveraging what we learned. Um, but as you heard we've got an amazing panel here a lot of folks that are working with a ton of brands and we even got Jordan here who is celebrity himself or an influencer as we call it but let's um, kick it off so I think that the first thing just is so everyone knows who's on the panel let's talk about channels I mean what channels does everyone kind of focus on the most and then we'll get into those channels and talk about what's really working right now so Savannah I I know, I think you're doing quite a bit on TikTok, Jordan, you as well, but maybe Savannah, where are you spending most of your time?
7: Spending most of my time on TikTok. What's funny is that a lot of my clients will take our creatives that we're creating for TikTok and run it on Facebook and Instagram. We're finding those styles of ads are working best on Facebook and Instagram. So I'm always coming from the perspective of let's design for TikTok first and then we can repurpose that for meta.
6: Brilliant. William, what about
2: you? Yeah, I love that. Um, We don't spend as much on the TikTok side of it yet, but that is one of the places that we're digging into a lot more of as well. Uh, Meta is still part where we see the bulk of spend going and where we get the least resistance from clients. Uh, One of the things that I think that you'll see and a lot of people will agree here is TikTok uh, content. It can sometimes be very hard to stomach for a lot of brands, especially brands that already have an established identity. Um, And so it's a lot easier for us to still put maybe the most of our time towards uh, Meta and Instagram. Uh, But we also do a significant amount on YouTube too. So there's a lot of fun things we're doing there as well as uh,
6: CTV. Great to know. Uh, Okay, Sarah, and if you want to maybe tell us a little bit about what channels you spend most time on.
0: Yeah, um, we're actually primarily meta and Instagram at this point. We do a little bit in TikTok, but most of our clients actually started over on Facebook. So that's where like the majority of their spend is going nowadays. I'm trying really hard. To push everybody onto TikTok if I can, because it just it hits a lot better psychologically, and it's also just a little bit easier to get eyes on some of your content, especially if you're a brand that hasn't really focused on like video creation before. But primarily, we're over on Meta and Instagram at this point.
1: Okay, I've seen a lot of companies uh, start actually hiring UGC content creators to be able to perform and start their social channels. It's one of those endeavors that, again, William said that companies aren't comfortable going on because they're not aware of the content they need to create. Most of the time they're you know, hiring people to do this high produced content and volume um, when it just really needs to feel native and understanding that you can just pick up a phone and speak to your audience and really showcase who you are. And once you convert and grow that audience is when you can see the best return is what I found.
6: Let's talk about that some. Let's talk about how we're leveraging who's actually going to be in this content. Let's talk about influencers. Some, uh, Jordan, this is a great lead in for you. Uh, how are you working with brands like what's that creative process like as you're working with brands as an influencer
1: yeah it's it's really interesting to navigate every brand has you know their own identity and how they want to be seen online so understanding the do's and the don'ts of how they want to be seen and what to say and what not to say um, it has to still feel organic obviously from the creator side they have the experience building that foundation of trust and friendship with the community so it's always again hard to stomach uh, for brands to just say you know what we trust you. Just run with it, and you know we we don't want you to do the scripted thing. That we want you to come off as organic. Um, it's kind of that process where you just have to trust the creator to know what they're doing. They've been doing this for you know many years. Mostly cr- these creators, and they've worked with other brands and other sponsorships, so they know what's going to work best. And even if it's different from what you know your brand standards are in terms of quality or what you want to say directly, um, there's always a challenging point to be able to mediate that and understand that, uh, you know, you can have both, it can be this and that, not this or that. So having that clear communication, understanding what you should do and what the what's going to be best in terms of the creator to have this be most effective to relate, I think is one of the biggest challenges. And that's something that the brand and creator should go about. So finding those creators that are willing to participate in those niches, um, it just comes back to, you know, always spending time and, and really understanding who that creator is and, and partnering with them to make sure they're a good fit.
2: Jordan, I think you nailed it. One of the things that I, I really like about that is just that idea of, um, Influencers and, and anybody that's creating the UGC is going to say things in a way that you might not even have realized is a way that people would talk about it, or or a use case that you weren't even aware of. Um, one of the examples I could think of is uh, we have a company that uh, has uh, it's a blackhead remover. Uh, somebody referred to it as I think it was a f- uh, face spatula. Uh, and that was not even remotely on our radar for what you would call this, um, but it actually resonated with a lot of people. We found there's actually some search volume behind that. And so that was one of those things that it opened up a lot of doors uh, by being able to work with uh, influencers that will say things differently than what you might say.
0: I think that's yeah. huge. Sarah, huge you got thoughts on that, I'm sure. Yes. Oh my God. I have so many thoughts. Um, the, the majority of my clients come to me first for the consumer behavior research side of it. So. We start with a full panel on who your customers are, not necessarily from like a demographic standpoint, but from a psychographic standpoint. So we're trying to figure out what caused them to purchase in the first place. What influencers are they like interacting with as they're going through that purchase? What emotions are they feeling? What trigger event was a part of that purchase? So the majority of what we're finding is the language based. Everything we do is is based upon comment and review research. So we're trying to figure out what language are they using so that we can inject it into our ads so that we can actually qualify people through the language itself? This is the reason why I always tell people when we do briefs for our UGC creators, for anybody that's doing video for us, we never, ever give a script ever because I don't want them to have to read something that was written in my voice because it'll sound like me. It won't sound like them. And so it'll basically be two humans talking through each other and it just, the lines get crossed psychologically when you play it back. It just sounds weird. <laughs> So we try really hard to not give scripts. We'll give talking points and we'll also give a huge brief on what the brand is, dive in deep into who they want to be, what they're trying to put out into the world, and we'll give the UGC creators full reign to just create.
6: Savannah, you're even on both sides of this. You (laughs) you, You help organize it and you might even do some yourself. Tell us about your process and how you work with influencers.
7: Yeah. I kind of take a different approach, which is interesting um, hearing the other panelists. So I have a team of 30 creators. Most of them are actually actresses. So they're really great at like portraying emotion on camera, reading scripts. Um, Some of them are TikTok creators that came from TikTok that I scouted. But really, I work with the same group of creators every week and I give very detailed scripts. Like I'm like, I need these lines written. I need this shot list. And then what I do is I take all that raw content and give it over to my editors on my team to add TikTok animations, the text overlays. Um, I I come into the process having like a very exact plan of like this hook we're gonna use, we're gonna go this shot first, then this, this, and this. Maybe it's just my personality of being more um, micromanaging or however you wanna call it, but I come in with a very like uh, exact storyboard and then I shoot for that and then I turn it into the final ad product. I think one thing with working with creators is that especially if you don't know them, you take the risk of what's the content going to be like. There is a lot of trust there. Whereas if you can develop long-term relationships with content creators um, and you can tell them exactly what you need, then you know that the end result is going to be what you had in mind because that's something that brands can get themselves into. They give their product to a content creator and what they get back, they're like, oh, this isn't what I was thinking. So I find that being really exact to start with um can save some of that headache and then you can get exactly what you were looking for. Love that.
6: It's so interesting to hear the different perspectives on it. And I think also considering for even the people that are watching this, we've got probably brands that are doing a couple hundred million. We've got brands that are just getting started. How do you think about this? I mean, is that maybe a stage thing for where you are as a company? Like Maybe if you're a younger company, you really need to just experiment a bit more and really learn that voice. Or if you're a larger company, you've got it dialed in. Maybe uh, tell me about like how you think about different-sized companies and how they should work with influencers. Or is it different at all? Everyone I don't know if that,
2: to that was directed on. at anybody in particular, but I'll, I'll jump on that one here. Um, so one of the things that's interesting uh, is I would say oftentimes it's the bigger brands that maybe lack some of that more emotional, raw feel. And they're the ones that I, I want to say, push them harder to say, no script. What's the key? couple of key positioning statements that we want to find? And and let's go from that and and allow this to take place and and kind of see what that brings in. Because it it can get to a point where maybe they have uh, lost uh, touch with some of the, uh, you know, the ways that they're looking at uh, things. Whereas some of the smaller brands, it's a lot easier for them to, let's say, just get on their phone and riff already as it is. And for them, that's where you're looking at saying, okay, but how do we actually level up what you're doing? You've found a few things that are working well, but let's take that to that next level and actually turn this into something that's going to be much more um, impactful. Uh, maybe this piece is good. This piece is good. This piece is good. Let's blend all three of these into one really good ad, maybe to what Sa- Savannah's saying. And it's like, now this is actually uh, an effective ad. And a good example of this would be like the, uh, the UGC mashup, right? Where... Maybe there's three or four different things that you've seen when there's like a common topic, maybe that's been brought up there. And if you can bring all three of those pieces together, now you've got something that actually tells a story from start to finish. And you can close it out with like a very clear direct call to action.
0: Yeah, I would also add to this that like to Savannah's point, if you find somebody that's extremely good at acting on camera, then you can work into actually giving them a script. Usually the people that we're working with are not necessarily new UGC creators, but they're not they're not like based in the acting world um a lot of them just kind of came into the ugc network very very recently so it's easier for me to not give them a script so that i can i can direct kind of like okay you said it this way can you phrase it just a little bit differently instead of giving them a full script and maybe jordan can speak to this too there's been like a huge influx of ugc creators recently and so we've had to be careful with who we source also to savannah's point because Some people I think are very, very good on camera and easy to kind of direct when they act. And other people, it's like we've been trying with this one creator for forever and we just can't get the right message. So I would love to hear from Jordan what you think about like what happened in this last like six months of UGC.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think a lot of that stems from TikTok. Um, Obviously, the virality of it, there's a lot of people gaining exposure that they never thought was possible. So they're coming into this whole new world of just like not knowing what to do. I've worked with a lot of creators and One of the programs that I'm in with TikTok that I was talking about that's going to be released is there's 1,500 of us in there, and most of them are, you know, I would say 90% of them have founded their audience on TikTok. And so, with that, they don't know how to do brand partnerships. They don't know how to do UGC. They only know how to make one style of content. And what's amazing about this ad group that they've put together that, you know, uh, we've built over the past year is that we're training creators not only to do organic content, but ad content too. So, we've done ads for um, Alibaba, Weevil, AliExpress. Um, upside and and hundreds of other companies now. So with this new shift, TikTok saw that there's an opportunity for creators to have a monetary value on TikTok, which is leading them into ad creation and ad content. So all this new all this new UGC content is driven because a lot of creators again just have this virality that they don't know what to do. So TikTok's kind of taking that step and showing that you know there's this new way that you can make money. There's this new way that you can sustain being a creator. So coming from the creator side and from that perspective, it's really interesting to see that more more people are talking about UGC content, how to make money and how to actually, you know, work outside of just doing what you're doing and, and to be able to pursue your passion of content creation.
6: Jordan, this new pro- program, I mean you you've mentioned it a few times. It, yeah. Is, is there any more you can share in this without breaking any, any confidences?
1: Yeah, it's called the, the creative market uh place challenge. And so it's different from just the creative marketplace in general. And so it's where companies and and uh, commerce companies will be able to sign up for within this next year, um, just to be able to say, hey, we want to test 15 to 30 to 40 creatives per week that we're getting from all these creators. Because as it goes, as the creator side, I can join the waitlist, which grants me a spot into that company to say, I'm going to make one ad for this company per week, up to 40 people or how many creatives you want per week. You can then put that number in, and then you're only paying um, based on performance, which is the really interesting part because the ad spend is going to TikTok and they're driving that back to the creator. Their margins aren't super you know, super great, but it's a way for those creators and these companies to get ad creative without spending, you know, $50,000 on just one creative or $10,000. And it, it navigates that and deflects that to just saying, Hey, this creator is really great. We're going to push this ad. This other creator created this ad. It's not going to drive a lot of value for us. So we're not going to put too much spend behind that. And that way you're not risking as much and you're working directly with the platform saying this is how many creatives we want per week.
3: Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with a subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. G I A S dot and mention 2x e commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2x e commerce.
2: And here's the brilliance of that. I want to jump on that real quick because um, you could be an influencer and know how to create content that gets people to view and follow and engage and enjoy. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually going to convert into something. I think that's the big thing that what Savannah was calling out there of like why she has things scripted out so well. We've all been down the path of using some really, uh, let's say, uh, cheap uh, UGC creators who they come up with something and it, it doesn't do anything to actually drive performance because they don't understand how to sell necessarily, right? But they can create engaging content and there's a place for that top of funnel content. Um, but I love the idea that TikTok has been proactive about this to get to a point where they're saying we want to reward. Uh, these creators based on their ability to actually drive results um, because that's something that's missing, uh, I think, in a lot of the UGC that is out there right now too.
7: Yeah, I I totally agree. I was going to say, like, for bigger brands, I've found that they're willing to take more risks in terms of we'll just send products to a bunch of TikTok creators. If we get a couple of good ads out of it, great. But they have a big enough budget to where they already know that maybe one out of the 10 UGC content that they get back from this free gifting strategy is going to turn out to actually be a good ad. So they're already baking in that risk that every piece of content we're going to get is not going to be a good ad. So I do like that TikTok is going to incentivize the pay for performance. I would say for smaller brands, that's when they have to be more picky about like, we can't just give out hundreds of free products and hope that a couple stick. I think that's when you have to be more methodological methodological about... What hooks work on TikTok, what formats work on TikTok, and we need content that fits into that exact formula because we know these formulas work. We don't have the budget to be experimented and hope that the creators can speak to these points. Like we need to get exact. So I think that's something I've noticed, the bigger brands versus smaller brands to your original question.
6: That's great. And as you're gonna launch a campaign, I mean, I think this is maybe from the agency side, but how do you decide how many folks, I mean, Savannah, you were saying, send out you a know, hundred different products or, or however you're gonna go about doing it. But for a good campaign, how do you decide how many influencers you want creating content? Or like how big of a reach do you need to have? Like if, you, if you're if you just getting started in this, I mean, how do you go about even wrapping your head around this? There's so many people on TikTok, you could use the creative, I think TikTok's got their own marketplace. There's other different services that you could find and hire influencers. like. How, how does everyone go about this process and how many folks do you need? And maybe we can just go around. I mean, Savannah, you were just telling us about this, but like I mean, is yours just different because you have the 30, you just work with them. So um, maybe that is the answer to that question. But um, I don't know if you have thoughts on how you go about and how many pieces of content you need them to create.
7: Yeah. I mean, my my structure is a bit different. Like, Brands will come to me because they know like, okay, you've trained this group of creators. You know they're solid. You work with them every week. And so then with the way we work with brands is each week, we work with a different creator on my team to film. So we film every week on Monday and Tuesday with a new creator on my team for that brand edit on Wednesday, Thursday to get the them two new ads on Friday. So each week, they're working with a different creator on my team getting two ads on Friday. So that's how I've been doing it I would say if you're a brand and you're looking to reach out to TikTok creators, you can even just start by looking at hashtags related to your industry. Really look for people who have great lighting in their ads, comfortable talking to the camera. That's going to be your main thing more than do they have hundreds of views and engagement. Like really look for those qualities that make a great ad. And like I said, try to develop those relationships long-term. If you find a good one, keep going back to them again and again, because every time they work with your brand, they're going to get better at speaking to it and being more natural with it um, and understanding what you want. So I always say better to have a deeper relationship with creators where you're using them over and over and like really getting like a long-term relationship rather than a transactional, let's get one ad from them and, and move on to the next and try to find a hundred more. I would say if I was a brand, I'd try to find 10 creators who can really speak to my product and make great ads, then try to reach out to 100 new ones each month.
1: I have a question, Savannah. So when you have creators create these ads, how do you find innovation between the ads? And are you mimicking other styles that have worked previously? Or what does that innovation look like?
7: Yeah. So I have a lot of clients where I do their media buying and ad creatives. So I'll look at the ad accounts and be like, okay, this is the style that's working well for this client. Let's try it for here. So it's a lot of that of just seeing which ones are doing the best for other clients. I also love the TikTok top ads library, which I would recommend any brands check out because you can sort by industry, which ones have the highest engagement. And you can get so much inspiration for what the other top brands are doing on TikTok. I always think it's easier to see what are the top brands doing and see how can I repurpose this for my brand and do a new take on it. Of course you don't want to copy it exactly, but you know that it's proven versus like starting from scratch, um, maybe I'm just not that creative. <laughs> I like to see what the other brands are doing and and copy what I see as proven. I think it also comes back to like how much of risk can you take like do you only have budget for four ads and these four ads need to crush? So okay then you're then you need to be more calculated with your risks and follow formulas that are tried and true. Where if you have more budget and you have more flexibility, then I think that's when brands can be more innovative and be more creative, come up with brand new ideas. It's just hard to pitch a brand on doing something unproven and brand new when they're like, "No, we need four ads and we need them all crushed." And it's like, "Okay, I need to go towards tried and true." So I think that's the differentiation.
2: Savannah, um, we also approach it from a a very media buying perspective as well, right? We're a media buying agency first, creative agency second, and and we use that that way. Um, And I think that one of the things that I like uh, that I hear from you saying is is, it's thoughtful creative. Um, And I I know that you're uh, in the D2C Twitter space here. I see you in a lot of the stuff that we do there, too, and some of the conversations that take place there. And I know that there's a lot of people that will talk about, oh, you know, we're testing 200 new creatives a week or something along these lines. Um yeah exactly and I and I cringe and I I cry right and it's uh, <laughs> the thing that I I that I dislike about that is going to exactly the point that you just called out Even if you had 200 uh, creatives going uh, live right now, if you've got, let's say, a CAC, a customer acquisition cost of uh, $25, you you start adding that up and you're thinking, well, how many actually different purchases can you get on each one of those to know whether or not it's made a difference? You're getting to a point where you've got maybe three and you're determining this one is the winner uh, compared to three versus two versus one right? purchases on each one of these. Um, It's not enough purchases to determine whether anything is actually working better or not. Um, and just that idea of there's a lot of things that we don't have to reinvent. We don't need re- to decide if you know, a circle is the best shape for a wheel for the most part. We feel pretty confident in that uh, within good reason. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff that we can lean on that we've already learned from other accounts, from other things that are working um, and make, let's say, iterative changes there. Um, and so I'm, I'm with you on the idea of fewer is better. We like to actually just put in a couple of new creatives that we've uh, created thoughtfully. And one of the ways that we really like to go about that then uh, is uh, we really like to dig into Facebook comments. So what are people saying about uh, the brand uh, within the comments that they love, that they dislike? Uh, what about their competitors and those Facebook comments? What about Reddit? Is there any good you know, stuff that we're seeing on Reddit and forums and Twitter? Where can we really just go into the underbelly of the Internet to find out what people absolutely loathe about them and their competitors or absolutely love? And how can we use that to shape that? And I think that's kind of really a big part where I think, Sarah, you talk about like the psychology of the buyer. Um, there's a lot that you can learn into uh, without having to create 200 and just throwing it against the wall to see what sticks.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's huge. The psychology actually is, is where I think we're lacking a whole lot in this particular industry, um, which is interesting because copywriters in particular are the closest, I think, to a psychology-based medium. They're the ones that have spent quite a long time learning the different sequences of things so that we can put it in the right order so that people will get to the bottom and want to click and buy. UGC is the closest I've seen yet that we've done video that now sequences correctly. So Savannah obviously has like all of hers that she's figured out this exact sequence works and I can duplicate it for different brands and it still works across the board. But it's interesting because everywhere else, I don't see like a whole lot of psychology being injected in particular with like graphic design, or with any of the ad creatives that are static in particular, a lot of them, especially pre iOS 14, were very like product heavy focused. just let's put up an image of a product, let's shoot it out there, there it is. And then it worked because we had great retargeting in place. As soon as we lost all that data and that ability to actually like rain people back in, now none of our statics are working anymore. And the only thing we have to lean on is like UGC style stuff, which is also a little bit scary for me. <laughs> Because again, now we're just like folding everything, all of it's placed on the UGC. And unless you have a a solid team like Savannah has, it's really difficult to produce it. It's very, very time consuming to produce UGC. It's very expensive. Like it's not easy to produce 200 pieces of UGC. And that was from, you know, six, eight months of me being a UGC creator. It was taxing mentally. It's really hard on the creators. So we have to start injecting some psychology into this. We have to understand where the consumers are, what the trends are. But we have, even deeper than that, what are they doing in life that makes them want to purchase this product in general? Because really, without that emotional need behind it, we're not really doing much for them other than just putting a product up and hoping they buy, which is not really a marketing strategy at all.
6: (laughs) So <laughs> you've got so much knowledge here on this. Give us a few wins. Give us a few examples of how you've leveraged psychology and your creatives or yeah. just some of the like just really like successful campaigns you've run.
0: Yeah. So the most interesting ones that I've actually ran were not ones that I thought were gonna win, <laughs> which is really funny because I think every marketer wants to say, I know exactly what's gonna hit every time. But the only way that we're able to actually duplicate success for my clients and my business has been to dig into the research. Cause every time the customers, the consumers will tell you what they want if you're willing to listen. That's like the most important part. And so we Will talked about like Reddit is one of the best places you can go because people get really raw. Like they just, they fold out all of these emotions in the Reddit threads. And like, sometimes you'll read down there and I'm like just heartbroken for these people because they're talking about like, I lost my dog and like, I just really wanted something to memorialize him. And so I bought this collar for my new dog that reminded me of my old dog. And like, there's a connection between all these different pieces of their life that made them purchase a dog collar, which doesn't seem like something that would be really important. But for this particular person, there's like all these associations that were connected in their brain before they got to that point. So one of the best ones I have, we we did uh, a full panel research for a company that did like hoppy tea. So it was non-alcoholic and it, I mean, it, it's amazing. It sounds very strange because they just put hops into tea. And you'd think it would be the weirdest tasting thing on the planet, but it was delicious. And I've had multiple now, um, <laughs> but we were doing the research for them because they had two angles, obviously anybody that was living sober and anybody that was just non-alcoholic for their health. And this particular crowd, we kept pulling up all these things with like random angles that we had never thought of before. Breastfeeding or pregnant moms were big, big crowd that I was like, you, you wouldn't think that they would connect very well, like alcohol and breastfeeding moms. But for this particular crowd, it was like a perfect fit for what they were struggling with. So that was kind of an easy win off the top. But going even deeper, one of the most intense comments that we found was a, a guy, I, I think that he he must have been a long time sober because he's, he said the phrase, I want to thank this particular brand for giving me back a taste that I never thought I'd have again. And I was like, this poor guy, (laughs) like, if you have given up alcohol and you actually enjoyed the flavor and the taste and the experience of it, that's huge for this customer. I mean, he really felt a loss when he had to give that up. And this particular brand solved that deep loss for him. So like, we just, we got to go way deeper with psychology because humans are so intricate and sequencing your videos or like putting up a really good creative is great. But if you're not solving an emotional need, then I just don't think we're doing humans a service by selling them things. So the psychology is, is super important, but I think reading those comments and reading your reviews is the best place that you can go to actually understand where the humans sit.
6: So for this guy that loves the taste, how'd you translate that into some creative? Like what'd you do with yeah. that?
0: Oh yeah, so great question. So that was the beginning of his sentence. The next part of his comment talked about the fact that I'm a hophead. I really enjoy IPAs, like I'm deep into this particular style of beer. So then we took that particular phrase, hop head. And it was really interesting because I'm not into beer. So I would not have chosen hop head as the phrase that we need to use. But we took it and threw it up on a whole bunch of different statics that were focused on different things. So we did gifts, we did, you know, product shots, we did a whole bunch of lifestyle shots, and then we did a few UGC. But we used the same phrase every time, hop head, hop head, hop head. One of the best ones that we ran actually dropped their customer acquisition costs by 49%. That was the best I've ever seen. <laughs> was a 49% drop in CPA. And that one was a static image of basically hops the actual plant. We had the plant up at top. And we had a picture of the product down in lower right. And on lower left, it just said, Hop Head Unite. And that's, that was the whole ad. And it ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Because th- I think that particular phrase resonated extremely well hop heads. So we wanted to give them the sense that like you can have your hops and drink it too. Like you don't have to have alcohol in it to still enjoy the experience of like being in that crowd. It was crazy. That was one of the weirdest ones I've I've had.
6: Well done. All right. Look, I, I love hearing the real stories, what really worked. We've been talking very theoretical. Let's let's actually hear some more really cool campaigns everybody's done. Jordan, you've been on the actual creation side. Let's hear about it. What were some successful ones that you were involved with? What really worked? Yeah.
1: So going back, we, we've done a lot in a lot of different spaces. There's a few. I want to hop into like some of the ideas beforehand um, on how we generate new ideas and, and stay on trend. So one of the actual trends yeah, that we stick please. on and that's been really effective right now is that you've seen on TikTok when creators hold up their phone and they have the reply to comment section where they just under a comment, they reply to it. They have the giant sticker there. That's a really for, that's a really good form of organicness that comes across on TikTok. So using that behind your ad strategies to say that either one TikTok made me buy it or this is a review of this product or answering a question and having that be the source and the foundation of the hook of your ad has been very effective for retaining and for retaining attention and for really driving that, you know, that initial engage to be able to watch the whole thing and then to be able to take that call to action at the end. So some of the big ones that we've had were working with larger brands, um, like Alibaba for the whole script of you know where you want to source your products from. Um, And finding out that, you know, there's an entrepreneur side of it. So having that first be the question, how do you make your money? How How are you successful at a young age? How do you start a business? Having that be a foundation of how you have that win is a really good hook. And that's how I found a personal win getting on that. Because once you see the organic trends, you can formulate that and twist those into ads. And the other way you can get effective ads and figure out the creation part of it is Saving, putting in folders in TikTok, when you like a video, you can manage where those uh, saved drafts are, or those saved videos are going to. Um, Saving the source of good ads that you like, and then saving the ads that you don't like. And breaking down what you do like about the good ads and what you don't about the bad ads, whether it's pacing, tone, um, visual quality, lightness, script, whatever that is, formulating those, breaking them down and implementing your own style is really effective.
6: It's awesome. Love it. Actionable tips. Let's keep it going.
2: Yeah, William? Sure. Uh, Tell us so, about some, uh, uh, one of the ones months. that I'm uh, really excited about that uh, that we've done here, there's a brand um, spending maybe 100000 100 to $200,000 a month on YouTube ads, uh, depending on the month. Um, and the ad is, uh, I, I believe it's about nine minutes long. Um, and I think a lot of people forget that uh, when you're talking about like, what's native on TikTok versus what's native on Facebook, well, what's native on YouTube? When you go to YouTube, you're typically there to watch a little bit of a longer form video. And so sometimes the ads that perform the best there can actually be really long. Um, and this particular ad is is much more of a conversation. It's a back and forth, almost like an interview interviewee type conversation that's going on about this particular problem that's being solved. And the FBI is getting involved in all these different things that are taking place. And it ends up becoming a very effective ad because it walks them through this this whole story uh, of start to finish of, of the problem the solution and how things are you know, uh, being handled. Um, and I think the the host even talked uh, earlier today about, uh, you know, do, do uh, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, do they like ads? Uh, and I remember seeing, I think it was ad week actually that talked about how Gen Alpha hates ads, right? And like, you can't get this kid. And I remember thinking, wait, wait a minute, that's not true, though, to a point, all of us hate ads that look like ads, but we all love ads that don't necessarily look like ads. Um, it's just content that we actually want to enjoy consuming. Um, it, which reminded me even of uh, the Lego uh, movie, which was, in my opinion, a two-hour advertisement for Lego that we paid to go watch and see. Um, <laughs> it was so good, too. Right? Such a good yes. movie. <laughs> so we do. We, we like ads. But I think going back to, you know, when you talk about, like, specific psychology and tactics that are working. One of the things that works really well that we found on YouTube is actually just, again, producing content that people would want to watch. Um, an example of one that wasn't ours uh, but I appreciated was uh, there's an iPhone lens on And again, theirs was like a nine-minute video at least. It was a very long one, but it was just a bunch of tips and tricks for using the lens on your iPhone in like before and after photos and stuff like that. And you're like, if you're remotely interested in it, you want to watch this. It's like, this is great. I'm actually, I'm going to sit through this ad and enjoy it. Um, And I think that that's the type of content that can work really well on,
6: on YouTube. Love it. Savannah, we've just got a couple of minutes. Tell us just really quick. What's been one of your most successful campaigns lately? Give us an idea we can run with.
7: Sure. So, I think one of the most innovative brands in both Meta and TikTok has been BlendJet. So, one of my clients the last two years, you may have seen a lot of their ads. Um, one thing that we always think about for their ads is like, what's going to make people comment? Having people comment on the ads not only sparks conversation, people are tagging their friends, but it also helps you in the ad auction because TikTok recognizes it as an engaging ad. So we did an ad where the lady was whispering in the ad. It was like an ASMR um, and she was whispering about the different things that we were blending. And we got so many comments. People are just like, why is she whispering? Like the whispering is annoying me. Even though they weren't, it wasn't necessarily positive, That we got trillions of comments saying like, why is she whispering? And it's an ad that's had like the most longevity. So doing something weird, like even just like whispering or something that is gonna spark people to comment, like why is this person doing that? can really help your ad performance and um, also organically on TikTok as well. I love that.
6: That's great. Love that. Awesome. Well, we've got to wrap it up. Um, everybody's running to the next session. Thank you everyone for joining us and follow these folks on social. I mean, if you enjoy this content at all, they're putting this stuff out constantly. So I think we could go for another couple hours talking about this stuff. I'm sorry we've got to shut it down, but it doesn't stop here. You can keep it going online. Keep going. So. Thank you everyone for joining. We hope you can walk away with this actionable content, creative ideas for Q4, even going into Q1. Um, But thank you for having us and we're excited. Thanks.
7: Thank you. See you. Thanks guys. Thanks.
4: Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X eCommerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X eCommerce listeners on our Facebook group, eCommerce Growth Accelerator Mastermind. Just search for 2X eCommerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions, and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app.